I truly believe that everybody inside has an inner voice that if we all stop and look at our life, we've either embraced and it's led us down a great path or we've ignored and then we've gone, oh crap, we should have probably listened to that. And I think that voice for me is also a creative voice. And that's where a lot of creative ideas, that's where a lot of creative thoughts, whether it's starting a new character or a new idea or jumping on whatever I'm doing and trying to find that voice that way. Hey, I'm Jordan Harding. I grew up watching my dad put on that suit and tie every morning and go out to successfully climb the corporate ladder. I thought I wanted to be him, but I was wrong. I needed to be me. To do that, I had conversations with incredible people to learn how they figured out this whole thing called life. I learned how they overcome adversity and pick themselves up when they've been knocked down. Now, I'm sharing those discussions with you so you can apply those same learnings to your life. Welcome to It's Not a Straight Line. So today on It's Not a Straight Line, we have Matt Hayes. Matt is a podcasting and content expert who grew up in the U.S. Midwest. I think Cleveland, actually. We'll get to that, though. And he now lives in Puerto Rico. He calls himself endlessly curious about anything and everything and everyone. He's got a new podcast out, Meet a Stranger, where you've got six episodes, I believe, and you have five-minute conversations with strangers you meet, and I highly recommend it. Uh, you're a comedian, a podcaster with roots in radio, and you're still a, a pro with radio. You're the creator of Hayes Creative LLC and the At 30 Rock Tree, so the wildly popular Twitter voice behind the tree there. I believe it's in Rockefeller in New York City. Matt, welcome. Welcome to the show. Jordan, thanks for having me. And by the way, I'm going to take that clip of what you just said. And every time I have a family member or my mom asks me, what is it exactly you do? I'm just going to take that and send it to them because I appreciate you just listing everything and it will just save me the headache. So you're awesome for that. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. And you know what? You're an incredible guest for this because you're someone who's kind of made a career out of you know following the things that interest you and picking up work where you can. And you've all also traveled a bit and been to different cities. So really excited for this conversation. And I wanted to start it with, did you grow up in Cleveland? Did I get that right? And was radio something you were interested in at a young age? I think you got into it pretty young. Yeah. So I did grow up in uh, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, in the suburbs. Uh, most of my family, pretty much all my family still either in Cleveland or in Ohio. I always wanted to actually be on the radio. I think everybody growing up always has a bajillion things they want to do. I also wanted to be a real estate agent, which I did for like two minutes. And then there was always a bunch of other little stuff. But when I was probably in, I'd say like 11, 12, 13, I would listen often to having just a little, in the old school, if, if you're under the age of 25, we used to have these little things called radios we would listen to in bed. And you tune it to radio stations to, and whatever they were playing is what you had to listen to. You couldn't skip to the next song or anything like that. It was, it was crazy how, how old it was. And I would listen and I would almost actually picture myself in some of these studios. And I wanted to know what it was like to sit in there and be part of that. And there was a couple of shows that I would listen to and would think what would be great to sit in that studio or do this or do that. And eventually when I was probably about 15, 16, a friend of mine was volunteering at a local university radio station during the summer. During the summer, all the college kids would go off home and they would need people to work shifts. So he would volunteer. And I started just to hang out because it was summer. I had nothing else to do. I was a kid. 
And I started reading the news for him. And then they said, well, we need people to do shifts. Do you want to do it? Sure. So when I was about 16 is when I started working at the local university station. Just during the summer, I do two, three days a week, a couple of shifts. And then even during the school year, I would fill in for these students that would come in. And I, as like a 16, 17-year-old, would be teaching these 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are paying 30 grand a year to go to this private school how to do radio. It was, and, and I did it totally for free. Looking back on it, not so sure that was such a great idea. But <laughs> so yeah, I started early on. And then after I graduated high school, my original plan, I was also wanted always to be a vocal music teacher. I'm a bit of a singer guy. And I always thought to be a high school choir teacher would have been amazing. And that was the original plan was to go to the University of Akron, which is a huge music school in Ohio for music education, but ended up just calling and emailing uh, a local radio show, a morning show in Cleveland that I used to listen to uh, and said, hey, do you guys need interns? They said, yeah, come hang out. So I started working, just filling in, helping out a couple of days a week. And then I eventually got hired part-time about a week or two later uh, to help them and then do all my own weekend shifts. And it just kind of started from that. And and did you ever, did you go to college or university or school, or did you just continue on that path? So I continued on that path for a little bit. I eventually became executive producer of the show that I was working on, but part of me kind of felt the 19 year old side of me wanted to go, maybe I should go back to school because that's what everybody else was doing. So I did leave. I I did go to Cleveland State University for a semester and I took one English class because I went last minute and it was the only thing available. But then I went to the University of Akron after that, honestly, with no plan besides just we're going to go and spent probably about a year, maybe a year and a half at most, uh, just kind of bumbling around. I joined a fraternity, did not like it, didn't like, you know, college kids didn't like the whole thing. I have to go to a party and drink free PBRs. And I went, I'm in radio. I used to go and get, you know, free, you know, liquor and free cocktails from the record reps. The parties (laughs) were way more fun when I was in radio. This college stuff is nowhere near fun. Um, And then one of the other local stations in the area called and said, Hey, we could use some help. And then I kind of got back into it from there. So I took a bit of a second of a break to go back to school for the completely wrong reasons. And so the reasons at that time were just, this is what everyone else is doing. This is maybe what my parents are thinking could be a great move. Yeah, pretty much. And it, I already started my professional career at that point. And yeah. I, I just thought, well, let's go see what it's like on the other side. But luckily, I was able to kind of get my foot back on the door from there and then start moving forward again. And then when did comedy come into it for you? Like I've heard you on other podcasts, you, you know, you say you're, you, you've done comedy and, and I think you're exploring now being in Puerto Rico, some of the more things you can do virtually with comedy. I'm always very curious of how somebody gets into that field because I don't know if you knew it, no, but I used to work at Just for Laughs, right? So I used to yeah. come a lot across a lot of comedians and it's very interesting to hear their past of how they went in that direction. Comedy has always just been something I think I did. Um, I know technically, if you look at my profile and all, I actually debate that in my head. Do I call myself a comedian or am I more of a humorist? Which is it? Because I, I do so, I've done some stand-up stuff, but I don't get along really with the stand-up world. I'm more of a writer. I'm more of a creator writing, creating unique types of comedy. So it's always kind of this battle in my head. And then comedians want to argue who's what, what title are you? And I, I really am so bored of having that conversation with them. I'm like, do you make people laugh? Yes. Great. That's all that matters. You know, that's what matters. <laughs> that's true. So when I was in radio starting out, I mean, pretty much was doing a lot of comedy stuff. My career eventually took me radio wise. Uh, I was still working in Northeast Ohio. I decided that I wanted to expand in the entertainment world. So I moved to LA for about two minutes started to do some comedy stuff and learn about the world out there. But I already had built up some network connections 
just naturally without even thinking about it in New York. And a lot of radio friends there and just knew a lot more people over there. Uh, I had a, my father was very sick for many years and I would end up going back to Ohio often where I'm from. And it was easier to make the six hour drive from New York to Ohio than jumping out of plane and flying cross country. So I switched coast to New York. And that's where I really started to explore more about doing different types of comedy, different types of projects with that, dabbing into television, doing some writing, creating a Twitter account as the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. And I, while I dabbed in the comedy world and would do open mic nights and work some clubs and and I was doing a lot more comedy, though, as like a host MC for private events and corporate events, which I loved more because I still have that entrepreneur side of me connecting with clients and creating a unique environment. I loved that more than working a club where you're getting paid $50 and getting a bottle of water and arguing with other comedians and then trying online with unique different types of projects. I can. It's amazing to me how in today's day and age, you can have a, 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 a piece of plastic or metal full of gadgets and chips in your pocket that you can post something and make someone laugh on the other side of the world nearly instantaneously. And there's so much power in that. And I've been more intrigued by what could potentially come from that than kind of going the traditional route. So pretty much over the last few years, I've been expanding in not only my personal projects, but working with clients on different types of comedy projects uh, and also looking at growing my business and the creative side of where can we find other opportunities to create comedy or find businesses or products and implement that on in there. To me, that's kind of the fun playground I like playing in now. Yeah. And I, I think I've heard you speak before about how in New York, it's just amazing to look at the ads or the marketing and just see how creative or you know funny some of them are. Yeah. Uh, what's an example of something you help a client with where it's got that humorous side to it? Do they come to you and they want some content for a potential product or an ad? What, what's an example of that? Well, it really depends on the client and what their goals are and what the type of project is. It can really vary. Uh, as a prime example, so uh, I do write a Twitter account it's a fun little fun project called 30 Rock Tree, where it's a, in, it's a writing as the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree in first person. It has this whole personality and an and image that I built up just randomly a few years ago um, that kind of plays up on New York, plays up on somebody moving to New York, growing their, their life and all, and, and wanting to become a star and that whole process of what it's like to come from a tiny little town where nobody knows you. And then you're put up and glammed up and dolled up and they put you in front of TV in front of millions of people and genuinely a million people a day come by and take a selfie with you. It's going to get kind of an ego. So that was just kind of the fun little project. But from that, then I actually, in the last year or two, have started to build up a relationship with Rockefeller Center where the tree is located. I'm still independent. I still do my own thing. They don't pay me. There's none of that. But they've actually reached out and said, hey, we want to do some writing projects with you. We have a blog. We have some things what can we do? And we started to work on a couple uh, different character ideas. We wrote one as Prometheus, uh, which is the Greek god statue that sits right below the tree. That's there year round. Uh, on the what during the winter's ice rink, during the summer's a restaurant. So they reached out to me, and we started writing a character about that. Uh, sometimes it might be a social media thing. Sometimes it might be more of trying to write TV commercials, which I've done and 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 um, pitched to a bunch of people. So it really depends. And also too, I'm kind of in this experimental stage still in my life with my business too, where it's, I, I am experimenting more with, does this work with this type of client? Can I offer it more in this way? What, what are the other options and opportunities? Because there's so much potential. And I catch myself, I think a lot of people sometimes it's so easy to get 
overwhelmed with opportunities and ideas when they come flowing. And I've had to force myself to start focusing a little bit more of, yes, this is exactly what's perfect with this, how we can do this. And, and how do you approach those character developments? Like, did you just look at this tree and think, okay, this, this could become a character? Like, how, how do you get those creative ideas flowing? If somebody, if the listener is like, hey, I'm just not as creative as Matt, and surely I'm not probably as creative as you. But I know there's tricks where you can help the creative juices flow. I truly believe that everybody inside has an inner voice. That if we all stop and look at our life, we've either embraced and it's led us down a great path or we've ignored and then we've gone, oh crap, we should have probably listened to that. And I think that voice for me is also a creative voice. And that's where a lot of creative ideas, that's where a lot of creative thoughts, whether it's starting a new character or a new idea or jumping on whatever I'm doing and trying to find that voice that way. Um, So for me, my I get asked, you know, what is your creative process? And I think for most people that are creative, it is number one, not forcing it. And number two, knowing yourself what you need to do to get yourself in a place where you can hear that inner voice. I know if I sit down and try to write a tweet and I'm trying too hard, I can read it and go, it's not going to go anywhere. And I'll put it out there and test it and it won't do anything. Okay. But it takes moments of going for a walk, knowing how I can relax myself get out of my head, clear it out, let the space open itself up. Then all of a sudden, genuinely, a lot of the ideas that come to me randomly come to me when I'm in that relaxed mode. And it's, oh crap, that's a great idea. I need to go write that down. Or I grab my phone and send myself an email or put it in an Evernote thing. The best way and most creative thing, and this is, I think, true for every element in life, even if you need to make a tough life decision, if when you think about it, you know, you're sitting down and you're trying too hard and asking a million people, you're trying to find outside sources to get your answers. But all of those answers for whatever it is in life are inside. And you need to learn what do, can you do, whether it's meditation, whether it's walking, whether it's finding things that, find, that you find inspirational and creative for yourself that makes you laugh and relax. And that can kind of spark the idea in your head. So I think for everybody is very different and it really depends on the situation. For me, it's a lot of walking. For me, it's a lot of meditating. For me, it's watching other things that I do like. Those things I just listed, those are kind of my muses and I need to be in those spaces. And when I'm not, and I'm too in my head, I can feel it. And the biggest thing is don't think about it. If I want to go, okay, I want to come up with this idea or figure this out. Okay, I know I need to solve that problem. And I just leave that kind of lingering in the back of my head, relax. And I just kind of have to let it come to me. I have to let the inner voice get to that place where I can listen and I can think. And then when I'm in that space, then you double down. Then you, then you kind of go there in your brain and then you start note, taking notes. Then you brainstorm and you go there when you're in that relaxed state. And that, no matter what element in life you're talking about, is where you can find the magic. It's really interesting. I, I know a lot of people and that I meditate as, as well and, and walking helps me come out with, with ideas. It's just a great way to relax yourself. Like you said, do you use an app or do you have a certain meditation thing you follow or what do you do? This is actually a question I've been talking about with my uh, coach and mentor for uh, over the last couple of weeks, because I have used a wide variety. I've used the Calm app. I've used some free YouTube ones. I've used Insight Timer and found ones on there. Um, and you know, there's some uh, astrology people I love following that do some great, you know, great ones for new moon, full moon. I think you know, taking those meditations and kind of trusting yourself and gu- and using it as a guide to help you figure things out, I think are great. I've also been just working on taking the time and be and learning to just be still. I want to 
get to the point where I can meditate and just think for 20 minutes. So I've been slowly going, cool. In the middle of the afternoon when I'm too stressed, I will lay down. I will set my timer for five minutes. And all I do is concentrate on my breath. Stay present. When my brain goes in another way, I come back to my breath because the breath keeps you present. It drives you back into this moment. And then I just have been kind of expanding that and expanding that. In those moments, sometimes my brain can go there. And then usually though, it's after I've meditated, my brain is cleared out and I know I can kind of start fresh in that standpoint. I was actually just watching a video about, I think it's called uh, Transcendal Meditation, TM. There's a bunch of celebrities that talk about it. And every time I see celebrities talk about something, I go, I don't know. But I saw something from Jerry Seinfeld who said he's been doing it since his 20s. And even when they were doing the run of Seinfeld, he said, I would, I do it 20, you're supposed to do it 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. He would do his morning. And he said, you know, we could be, you know, when you do a sitcom, you work from 7 a.m. till midnight, you know, five, six days a week on shoot weeks. And he would actually say, uh, people, they might take a lunch break. And during that time, he would go in a separate room and do his meditation. And he said, you know, there's no way I would have gotten through nine years of creating you know, one of the biggest sitcoms, if not the biggest sitcom of all time, if I didn't have that. And I, that really made it stand out to me of this is really important. That can help you bring back to that. So I, th I think it really varies for people. I started with and almost feel like I need to rely on these apps or a guided meditation, but I've been, want, I've been making efforts to learn how to just meditate on my own and learn to trust myself to be able to still my own brain, relax and allow it. And sometimes it doesn't work. And sometimes I do need to go to one of the apps. I think it really depends for people, you know, where you at, where you're at in your own meditation journey. Yeah, it's interesting. And you mentioned something with about the breath that kind of struck a chord. You know, I always say to myself, listen to the breathing or breathe. Mm -hmm. And it really does take you back to the present moment. And I guess that's yeah. the power of it. Um, Absolutely. And, and uh, because when you think about it, when it's our last day on this earth, when it's that last moment, we lose our breath and that's it. We're no longer present. Breath is what keeps us here alive in this moment. And even learning that element is so refreshing and so powerful when you learn how to be able to come back to your breath. And all of a sudden you get out of your head and you get back into your body and you get back into that present moment. And it makes whatever you were so lost in your head just seem like nothing because you're brought back to here. Because all we, we don't have the past anymore. We don't have the future yet. We just have here. And if we can concentrate and learn on the breath, we can gain so much, not only insight, but more control over our brain, our bodies, and just our lives and how we present ourselves in life. Agreed, for sure. What about, you know, Matt, you say like, oh, I spent a few minutes in LA. I think you said that about your real estate career as well. Of course, the, you know, the themes, like it's not a straight line. So what did you know when you were in LA where you're like, this, this, this isn't for me, I'm going to go to New York? Well, I've made so many zigs and zags from starting in LA and then went to New York for 10 years and then went back to Ohio because my father got sick and passed away and I had to help family. And then, you know, I had to figure out where I was going next. Was it going to New York? No, I guess I'm going digital nomad. I'll go to London for a while. I'll go to Toronto and Montreal. I'll go out West and explore the you know, Pacific Northwest, go back to LA, come down to Puerto Rico. Oh, I like it here. Okay. This might be a good idea. Every single time I've had one of those moments, it's, it's two, it's a mix of two things. Number one, I think just, I, I'm very antsy. I get bored very easily. I like that change. I don't like staying in the same spot for a while, which is good and bad. This says a lot about me, about that element of wanting to settle or not settle. Uh, I've settled a little bit, but not totally settled. 
Um, but I need that out from a creativity standpoint and life standpoint. I just know there's so much to see and do. Let's take those chances. And I get antsy. I get bored of, you know, I've been here for this for a while. Or like when I was in LA, I just knew that I didn't vibe. I didn't fit. I wasn't making the right connections. It just wasn't the right people. I wasn't doing the type of work I wanted to do. I've always been more of a lover of New York City in general as a city and knowing that I had my connections there and just knew that part of me said, that's where you need to go. You have your connections there, but also, you know, you can make some things happen through them. That might be that shift you need to make. And I think part of it is taking a leap of faith too, and having a little bit of fun with it. You know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I genuinely, when I made the decision to leave Cleveland and go to LA and go, let's start something new. This was in 2008. I did it in June or July. I found a place to stay on Craigslist. I sent some random guy who had a house for rent and had rooms for rent, $500 via Western Union. And I drove out there never being there. And there was a moment where after driving across across America, it took like two or so days, and I'm standing in front of this house in Granada Hills, California, in the northern part of the LA Valley, of, of the valley there. I remember standing in front of the house just going, what are you doing? All of a sudden just hit me. Like you just drove cross country. You're walking into a house full of strangers, not knowing a single thing in a part of the country you've never been, not really knowing anybody. What the hell are you doing? But it was part of that journey. It was part of that fun. And it was that, well, we're here. Let's let's do that. And even though I think I knew that I didn't know where it was going to take me, it was something I needed to do. And there have been so many of those little moments in my life where I've gone, I, I'm either bored or I need a shift or I need a change. I just feel this push this way, this new thing. I don't know where it's going to go, what's going to happen. But now that when I look back on those moments and I think what happened after that and I see who I met, what I learned, where I went, what I became, who I became as a human being, you have to make those shifts. You have to make those jumps because what, what's the worst that happens? You know, I didn't make it in LA. I went back to Cleveland for two or three months. Okay, but then I shifted to New York. It always ends up working out in the end anyway. Yeah, and then you, you said 10 years in New York and- and now you're in Puerto Rico, pretty different places, right? Um, Just a little bit. There's sim- there's a lot of similarities because what's amazing is that while this is the Caribbean and island life, there are so many Puerto Ricans that live in New York City that there's some elements of just the vibe and culture where I go, oh, this kind of feels some elements like New York City with some certain things. So yeah, very different in Caribbean island life. But at the same time, I'm, there are times where I go, I think my time in New York kind of taught me some things to prepare myself for being here. And what were those things that it kind of prepared you for? Because I would have thought it might be a hard transition in terms of work-life balance or harmony or whatever the hell you want to call it to now your island life. And it probably is much more in terms of work-life harmony there. I would say more, you're you're 100% right in that the way the balance of life is, you know, New York is very, you know, constantly go, 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 go. We're here. It's more about living. And there's such a big difference. And I even have reverse culture shock now when I go back to whether it's New York or anywhere in the United States, where it feels, you can feel that tension. You can feel that stretch, especially since 2016, when, when we've seen so many changes in the US, I can feel that shift and that energy. And it, it's kind of startling in that way. I would say though, that the element of loving life and living life is something that is true in both New York and Puerto Rico, it, just in different ways. You know, New Yorkers love the city, live life to its fullest, will go out drinking till late at night, which is what happens here. Um, There's just a certain element of just an appreciation for life and living. Yes, work-wise, two completely different cultures for sure in that way. But overall, just a sense of love and passion and, and desire for life are so very similar in both cities. 
just on two extremes. It's interesting. And what about your, your time checking out the, the real estate world? I know a lot of people that I, that I'm friends with in Canada or family members, you know, that went into real estate, especially in Ontario over the last four years, they've, they've done extremely well and Mm -hmm. most seem to enjoy it. Some don't. And it's usually the top few percent that make an extremely good living. And then other people really don't like it. What, what was your experience with that zag in your career? Well, that zag was, I was working at a radio station at the time that I had a very toxic boss and I was dating someone and just felt, you know what? I kind of want to go in a different direction. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay at this place. I was bored with the position and the opportunities to grow from there just wasn't where I wanted to go. And I was dating someone and thought I was going to go down that traditional route at that point. Like, oh, we're in love. So we're probably going to get married, have kids. And I left my radio job, got my real estate license and found out she was cheating on me like two weeks later after that. That worked out really well. And I ended up staking around for about two years. I did. I was a horrible real estate agent, not in that my transactions were awful. I had zero problems with my transactions. All my clients were happy. I was horrible because I wasn't passionate about it and passionate enough to be able to grow the business. And I, I knew what I had to do, what, who I had to call, what I had to say. I knew the scripts and dialogues. I knew, I knew that element about and learned that from them about how to build that business. But when I would call people, I wasn't passionate. It wouldn't be like, hi, I'm Matt Hayes, you know, your local realtor here to help you buy it. Who do you know that's looking to buy or sell a home in the next 1690? Are you? Do you have a family member? Like, I know that, but I wasn't passionate about it because I just didn't give a damn. It wasn't who I was. And so my business just did not do well because I knew that though. Um, I will say though that that time helped push me into the podcast world. That taught me a lot about business, taught me a lot about myself, like everything. It taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about business. And when I left, um, there was a gentleman, I was working for Keller Williams Realty, one of the uh, very senior people at KWRI in Austin at the international office was leaving the company. He put a his him or it was his person he was dating at the time put a Facebook post out about podcasts and I just said hey I left KW I know who you are you he was very beloved Dave Jinx is his name he was a very beloved uh, name in the Keller Williams world and I said hey um, you know if you're thinking about doing something you know I used to work in radio I can help and this was in 2000, 2008, 2009. so very early days on pod in podcasting and they'd done some podcasts. Uh, internally at KW. And they said, well, we're going to be in New York. You're going to be in New York. I had to go for something. So we ended up meeting, having coffee, having dinner. And he was my first podcast client. And I ended up working with him until he passed away last year. Pretty much we did hundreds of different episodes. And it was because of him and that element of business and kind of getting my foot in the door in that world and him being willing to explore and he paid me top dollar from the moment I started. He was my first you know, client in that way. He was willing to pay top dollar and worth my time. That taught me so much that I can create something and build something different that way. So while the real estate element was eh, fine, would I go back into it? No, really. It's not a world I want to go into and just not. There's so much stuff that goes on in there that doesn't get talked about. But that time really taught me about business and taught me that I can build something and create something with my gifts and talents and kind of let it grow into a new direction. And it was really that move to real estate that kind of connected those dots between you and your first client. Absolutely. Pretty cool. So what does your business look like now, Matt? Like you've got, you know, you have clients in the podcasting space. I know you do editing and you do post-production and coaching. What do you do? What do you focus on? 
So right now, the majority of our work is podcast production, development, consulting, working with people to become better hosts, to become better podcast guests. While we've had this big expansion and growth in podcasts in the last two years, especially since the pandemic, there's also been a problem, though, of the quality of the type of content. And that's something we definitely focus on because, yes, there's more podcasts than ever before where people are trying to get vie for everybody's attention that way. And when you're competing against, you know, major players, you know, in the United States, iHeartRadio and PR Barstool in the U.S. and in Canada, you know, people like the bigger players like the CBC, Rogers uh, and all, you know, and all those guys, you have to be at a certain level of quality to really stand out. And we work on that with our clients, whether it's an Emmy award winning television host, entrepreneur, B2B, B2C. Uh, but also, uh, I still do some comedy, my comedy writing stuff as well with our clients. But I'm also working on trying to grow the business in thinking of it from a much bigger picture. You know, yes, we do comedy work. Yes, we do creative work. But what can we do more than just the client work? What can we build? Can we build our own podcast shows? Can we build, you know, I have friends of mine that are get connected to unique products that needs some unique marketing. Well, I love actually being part of that, but at the same time, what can we do to maybe get some equity in that company? How can we build this to be bigger? What can we, what can we take? What industry, what voice, what community build that with that sense of comedy and connection? To me, it's more about connection than comedy now. And we use comedy as just a way to be able to do that and to build something bigger. So we're experimenting with a bunch of different things in that way. Like I said, I'm kind of in this you know, that next step. What is that for me? I'm kind of bored a little bit with what I'm doing. I love my clients and my work, but it's, there's some other opportunities in some of these spaces. So I'm having more conversations. I'm having more connections and finding some new outlets and finding new ways to be able to grow it in a different way. And I find that to be, you know, unbelievably exciting. For me in this last year or two, it's become more about realizing how much of, while I'm a comedian and a voice and whatever, but I'm a connector. My job is to connect. My job is to create community. It's always been that way. When I was on the radio, it was that way. When I would host an event, I'm creating community in the moment, in those four walls. We're creating con- a connection and community right here by you and I talking and, and our friend that's listening right now. Yes. How can I do that on a bigger scale? And, and I do that one-on-one when I meet people on the street every single day. So what can I do to build that into something bigger? Yeah. And you're able to connect with people through that comedy, right? You use that as a tool. So you, you even have created a community now through uh, your podcast, Meet a Stranger, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think such it's incredible because it's it's five minutes. It's it's quick and it's focused, it seems, on on one topic or one theme. How, how did you kind of come across that idea? It seems like your curiosity must have just led you to that. And uh, you know, can you give us a little bit of a behind the scenes? Do you actually just go up to a stranger first time you meet and you're like, this person might be interesting? Or do you have a conversation with them before in a bar and you're like, hey, can I record you? <laughs> yeah, because it, you when you think about it in general, it's weird. You think someone coming up to the, that happens. So when man on the street stuff you see in the video, can I talk to you? Put the microphone in their face. I don't yeah. do that. Um, so the I, I have done man on the street stuff before when I lived in New York, I did a bunch of stuff. And I just kind of got bored with it because in New York, a lot of, yes, there's a lot of characters and, and, new, and man on the street has become a new, really bigger new genre now in the last few years, especially on TikTok. And there's a lot of characters you see, especially in a city like New York um, with a bunch of, there's a bunch of different, the one minute talk show, there's side talk New York, which is huge, but it's, they're so, they're so unique in getting certain personalities that are just great on camera. And that's great. And it's so entertaining. And in a city like New York, it's f- full of millions of people like that, that want to get their 15 minutes of fame. 
but I've always been someone and I've grown over the last year or two more into embracing that element of connection and something deeper. Living in where I live in Puerto Rico, I live in old San Juan, which is a very tourist area. And I end up just chatting with tourists all the time. And, I, and where, wherever I'm at in the world, I will sit and just start chatting with people because I genuinely just like to have conversations with people. And I realized that there's so much connection and opportunity that I get from that and, and so much learning from talking to somebody that's not like me in a different part of the world. And I wanted to start sharing those stories. And the, the, with the premise where it came from, um, I wanted to do it differently. I didn't want to just grab the, when you just grab the camera and start putting in front of someone's face, they clam up. They're not always, not everybody's comfortable. I know that, you know, I've been in this industry for 20 years. I know I, I can talk to a wall and pretend it's a camera and I know it's, I'm really good at it, but it's taken a lot of time to learn. Not everybody has that. So I didn't want to just do that. I didn't want to do a long form because um, there's so many long form con content, so much long form content out there and it's very tough to compete in that space. So I want to do something short. I want to do something quick. And I also didn't want to take a lot of time of the person because usually it's a quick coffee conversation. So as an example, uh, I'll give you an example of an episode that will come out in a week or two that happened yesterday. Um, I went down to a little coffee stand, um, ended up just striking a conversation with uh, two women that were sitting next to me that were on vacation. One of them was asking about me and I started talking about her and found out she's a med student. And then my brain clicks in like, oh, podcast potential. And we're just talking, and then I'm kind of thinking, what would I want to ask this woman that's, that people might not always ask, or that I'm genuinely curious about this, this prop, you know, this where she's at in her life? Sometimes people have a problem they're trying to solve. Sometimes it's a change in life. Sometimes it's they got engaged. It could be a, big, a bajillion different things that happen. And I usually will then say to them, so I do this uh, little podcast called Meet a Stranger. It's five minutes. It's anonymous. Every stranger is anonymous. Uh, I, we're talking like this. I just would record, ask you two or three questions. I'll record that, use that for the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to it, find it and all that. Again, it's fully anonymous. So you can say whatever you want. I will never mention your name, show your face. You, if you want to show and share it afterwards, you're more than welcome to. If you don't completely understand, no hard feelings. I get it. That's why it's keeping it anonymous that way. Um, and so with her, we talked about that process, why she wanted to do it, and a few other things. You have to listen to the podcast to find out what I asked her about. All right. I will. Um, and then uh, I'll take that, add it to the queue, and then I kind of let it simmer in my head. I start writing a script instantly just of what were the points. I let it sit, and then I will go back to it as it gets closer and just kind of fidget through and kind of add a little bit of my David Sedaris, who's a, a brilliant humorist and writer, um, and, and, and speakers, such an idol of mine and I love his writing. And so I kind of like channel my inner David Sedaris, write the script, find the part of the interview I want to use, clip it together and boom, there you go. Um, and I wanted to do it short, quick to the point because everyone else, like today I had coffee with a friend of mine and I said, I started this new podcast. I interviewed him too. Um, not everybody's fully a stranger. Some people have known a little bit, so I have, it's just some cheating on that a little bit, but I was talking to my friend and I said, yeah, it's only five minutes. He's like, brilliant. I don't have that much time. And you know, he wasn't going to listen to it. He's like, I love you, but I'm not going to listen to a full hour of you talking. Like, I don't even want to listen to myself for a full hour talking. I get it. So shorter, quick to the point, easily consumable. Um, but also allows a unique different type of growth in that way and trying to from a promotional standpoint, growth standpoint, where I want to build it, how I want to build it, the bigger picture, what it's involved, doing the shorter form to me just made sense. And yep. it was exciting to me, easier um, and different instead of just, you know, talking to someone and go, so why are you happy? What is your joy in yep. life? There's something a little bit different to it with it. And I still also 
adds a little bit of my voice and my persona because it's you're making them the star for sure. But at the same time, not everybody wants to be fully shining or know how to be able to shine that way. So I kind of, my job is to take the, the flashlight and that light and the spotlight and shine it on them. But at the same time, still making people laugh while doing it. Is there any anything anyone said yet or any advice someone shared that really resonated to you? I did have a chat recently with somebody about family. Uh, they're going through a situation where they have a mother who's sick and they're working with family uh, to help um, figure out how can we, you know, we don't want to put her in a home. How can we all work together? And I've had to go through that with family before. So I know what that feeling and connection is like. So it was very realistic in that way. If anything, I realized how much people want to share, how people want to connect, how we need to express. There's so much that is just not said in the world that people are so afraid to say because they're afraid to get canceled or they're afraid they're going to hurt someone's feelings or they're afraid that it might break a relationship up or something. But the thing is that we all have these things that are bubbling up inside of us. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, yeah, there's some things you should probably not say because genuinely they are, it's crap and you are going to get canceled and rightly so. But I think in our own one-on-one connections and conversations, I'm starting to realize some from what people have been telling me, there's stuff that comes out that they should be saying out to the world or saying to a family member or saying to a colleague that need to come out. And, and if anything, I'm hoping that this project will build that sense of community where people can feel that they can have a conversation with a stranger or even it's not also not only about connecting with somebody else, but it's about connecting with yourself and feeling comfortable enough to be able to share and connect. Because if you're not comfortable with yourself, it's very difficult to connect with your own family member, let alone a stranger at that point. And once you turn inside and connect with yourself, then connecting with somebody else on the outside just becomes a million times easier and more exciting at that standpoint. Yeah, I I really like what you're doing. I recommend people checking it out on wherever they get their uh, podcast. There was somebody on here in the first 10 episodes I did, and then the listener may have may have heard the episode, but it was Pete Bombacci, and he's uh, in Canada. He ran Movember Canada mm-hmm. uh, for five years during its big up uprising in terms of fundraising in Canada, and he had a he has a great movement called the Genwell uh, Social Connection, and it's all about getting people to connect in person, talking to strangers, and yeah, it's it's really great what he's doing, and I, I enjoy what you're doing as well. Matt, where can people uh, find you or connect with you? I know you say you're on all those evil social platforms. and um, You can find me, like, like you said, on all the evil social media channels, as I like to say, at Matt Hayes, M-A-T-T-H-A-Z-E is where you can find everything. Uh, and Meet a Stranger, like you said, is on every single podcast platform that you can imagine on earth. And if there's one I'm missing, please let me know at go meet a stranger, but everything is pretty much Matt Hayes or at go meet a stranger. Well, Matt, it's been uh, fun chatting with you today. And I got to ask, do you say that evil social media channels and I'm putting quotes for the listener because you have a love hate relationship with these big companies, or is it just a funny thing you like to say? I think it's a mix of the two. I think it's more of an irritation of the algorithms and what you have to play with. And that kind of does annoy me how it, how much control they have over some things. Yeah, I find a bit kind of odd and think some of them, certain companies <clears throat> meta <clears throat> that haven't taken full you no know, responsibility and control over, especially on on this side of the border over the last few years. Uh, but it's also a lot of fun, though, too, because we do spend so much time complaining about it. Yet we spend hours in front of it every single day anyway. It's so bad and so evil. Oh, my God. Did you see this food recipe on TikTok? It's great. <laughs> no, 
So it's kind of a, it's a tongue in cheek. It's kind of a mix of the two. It allows me to be able, like we said at the beginning, it allows me to be able to make a joke, connect with somebody on the other side of the world and make them laugh. Even when I'm sleeping, that's amazing. That's it's mind boggling to think how much, how connected and powerful we are in a world that way. But then it's also crazy to think what we have utilized that for and, and how bad it can be utilized and that's that to me is the evil and scary part about it. So if I can do, you know, some little bit to make someone smile, then I'm more than happy to do it. Well, that's awesome. Well, Matt, thanks a lot. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jordan. Love the podcast. Thanks so much for asking me to do this. Really appreciate it. What did you take away from our chat today? I'd love to know. Let me know on Instagram at it's not a straight line or connect with me on LinkedIn. If this episode was helpful, would you mind leaving me a review on whatever podcast app you use? I'd really appreciate it. You can always go back to previous episodes to hear more insightful conversations to help you build your own unique life. Thanks for listening to It's Not a Straight Line. Until next time.